Welcome back to The Coven. I'm your host, Shweta Sundarajan, and I am the legendary Wicked Witch of the Sound Waves. Joining me today is... Harrison Hopkins. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. When you came to me with this topic, I was really excited. I mean, I'm going to be upfront and honest. I, I, um, I'm I, pretty uneducated when it comes to the world of, uh, um, of feminists. I, I do not know a single thing, so I, I, I can't wait for you to teach me a lot of things, but I do know a lot of things about the world of Hollywood, so we're going to educate each other today. It's going to be awesome. That's right. Speaking of of Hollywood, uh, today we'll be taking a look into what's bubbling in our cauldron, which is the director, Joss Whedon. I'm going to probably mess up his name a couple of times throughout the podcast, so bear with me. But for those of you who don't know, Joss Whedon is um, the director of the popular 90s show uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and he's written, um, no, he's directed uh, Age of Ultron. I think the first two Avengers movies. Yes. Yep, he did the one in 2012 and the one in 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's just uh, kind of been notable for being this like feminist nerd male director kind of guy. Uh, and it's been all well and good until he also got embroiled in some controversy. So. Um, On February 10th, uh, Charisma Carpenter, an actress on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, she released a statement on Twitter detailing the abuse that Whedon put her through while working on the Buffy the Vampire Slayer and its spinoff, Angel. So a little timeline of what Whedon did to Carpenter. So basically, um, after Whedon kept rejecting calls from her agents, he asked in a closed-door meeting if Carpenter was going to keep it because she she found out she was pregnant. Uh, while she was filming and so Joss Whedon was just basically being very mean towards her for that and uh, he basically called her fat in front of her co-workers when Carpenter was four months pregnant. At six months pregnant, she was repeatedly called into work at 1 a.m. After her doctor told her to reduce hours, she was so stressed that she began to have like Braxton Hicks contractions or like fake contractions. I don't know what exactly. I'm not really a medical doctor or whatever but at like six months you're not supposed to have that at six months by the way like that's just way later in pregnancy which is kind of whack to hear about that um she was also written off of angel after whedon learned that she was pregnant and in addition to that whedon also played favorites pitted people against each other to vie for his approval um he just made a bunch of like passive aggressive threats to fire carpenter and he berated her for getting a rosary tattoo Ooh. I um that's, so so that's for, a lot. for the longest time about Joss Whedon, I was a big fan of his. I really was, and I think all this came to light. I want to say it was because of the divorce with his wife recently. Yes. Um. She she sent out a really interesting. Was it was it a tweet? Was it a? Or... Yeah. So she actually um wrote a column uh like or a blog post in 2017 about um all of his cheating and lying in a blog post. And so here's a here's a little excerpt from that that really hit me hard. Uh, so she writes, quote, 15 years later, when he was done with our marriage and finally ready to tell the truth, he wrote to me, quote, when I was running Buffy, I was surrounded by beautiful, needy, aggressive young women. It felt like I had a disease, like something from a Greek myth. Suddenly, I'm a powerful producer and the world is laid out at my feast and, and I can't touch it. So... What what I gathered from this is um, I'd never heard of this term before, but fake feminist. 
yes. is what he is called now. Um, and uh, when when he first met his wife, his his wife told the story that um, when they met back before he he was working on Buffy and stuff, um, he always he always had like a, a real respect for women. He said because his his mother raised him a very certain way. He said he said his mother was a feminist, and so she she thought that was really respectful. But she was always concerned because he was spending way too much time with women off set and stuff, and that always rubbed her the wrong way. But she always just took it as it's because he you know has th- this is his passion. It kind of sounds like gaslighting. Yes. In in retrospect, like, and you know, you can you can call yourself a feminist and you can be a pioneer for feminism, but like, infidelity, my dude, that's just yes. and like lying. No matter to her, what, it's wrong. Yeah, and like lying to her for fifteen years, and then finally coming out and just saying like, oh, I felt like I felt like I had a disease. I it like something from a Greek myth. Like I'm a powerful producer. That entire statement that she's written that uh, Whedon told her it it sound it's very problematic. Well, something that also disturbs me is so I think the star is Sarah Michelle Geller. I think was on Buffy. I think that's who played Buffy Summers. Um, she talks about how she was like 16 at the time, or at least the character was. And you know, they uh, she said, you know, never again will I work with Joss Whedon. And we we went to private rooms and stuff and these things. I'm just like. I don't want to know what went on, but at the same time, I'm like, how did all this go on during like 20 years ago? And we are just learning about this now, which is pretty, pretty scary. It's always happening. I think um, finally the culture in Hollywood is finally opening up where people can talk about abusive behavior that these powerful men have done against women. Like, I think stuff that happened 20 years ago, if they had come out then and attacked him with all these allegations, I think it it would have just been buried. Like, the media wouldn't have really reported on it. No, I, t- I totally agree with um, the the... the- I would say in the past five years, we've had a, you know so many so many actresses stepping up, and it, it's it's really great. And it's just crazy to think that Joss Whedon would probably, if you're in Hollywood, would be the last person you'd expect to hear all this from because he's always been. I mean, if I don't know if you've ever watched some episodes of Buffy, but or um, stuff like I grew up with. Have you ever seen Sabrina the Teenage Witch? That's that's a really good and stuff like that. Around the same time, it was it was it was awesome to see because we had never seen anything like that before these strong powerful female characters i mean every episode of buffy is just buffy kicking butt and i mean we can talk about female characters in pop culture later but like it's just it blew me away i think last year when all this stuff came out it it was it was shocking yeah it really was honestly like i mean when like buffy was just such a pioneering show for a lot of young girl characters because it kind of showed that like yeah you could be a girl and you could kick some butt and you could be like the strong powerful like yeah i'm not a damsel in distress because i feel like women have been portrayed typically as a damsel in distress or just as like that love interest and love character kind of size like side piece you know and i think it was refreshing for a lot of women who grew up in the 90s to see this like female character that looked like them and that was just kicking butt and just being this like tough badass character but now that's come up i've seen a lot of buffy fans just be like uh like 
it's, yeah. it's kind of ruined the show for me. You, and I, you look at it, you, you look at it a certain way now. You know, maybe all this was different context. I wanted to go back to what you were talking about about the um, the actress that stepped up from Angel during the whole pregnancy thing. If you think about it, I mean, let's let's talk about like uh, for for a teacher, they normally go on maternity leave when they get pregnant just to get yourself out of those stressful situations and to take time for yourself. And I mean, this isn't the first time that a um, uh, a woman going through pregnancy has continued to film shows. I mean, we could talk about later Joss Whedon works with uh, the Avengers films. Fun fact, uh, Scarlett Johansson, the whole time during the second Avengers film, was very much pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just crazy to think that six months in, she was getting calls at one one in the morning demanding that she show up to set. And she did it just because she, you know, of course, she wanted to keep her job. But at the end of the day, he ended up just cutting her from the show. Uh, this is, uh, this is, uh, it's actually, uh, what's her name? Charisma Carpenter, not yes. Scarlett Johansson. Sorry, I was talking, sorry, different it, people. You're good, but, um, you know, it just goes to show, like, how problematic he is, and just, it hasn't really come out, and I think, like, going back at, and seeing all of his movies and just stuff he said, uh, after all these controversies came out kind of opens it up to, um... Kind of like the subtextual um, toxic femininity that's been presented in a lot of his movies. So for those of you who don't know, um, Joss Whedon was kind of tasked for writing a script for a Wonder Woman movie um, back in like 2005. And when the... um, DC Wonder Woman movie with directed by Patty Jenkins and uh, played by Gal Gal Gadot uh, came out. So Joss Whedon's uh, Wonder Woman script actually came like was released, and people got to see the difference between Patty Jenkins' version and Joss Whedon's. And one thing that really stuck out to me was how um, in Joss Whedon's version, Wonder Woman's basically the side character. It's it's Steve Trevor and Wonder Woman, not Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor, which I'm like, you make the main character, Wonder Woman, a sidekick in her whole in her own movie. Like what? What are your thoughts about this? So uh, other things I noticed about the script, I didn't read the whole thing, but I, I checked out some certain details and he he really just over sexualizes the character. It's it's a bit like I, I heard a few people describe it as cringy and I guess that's a light way to put it. Um, it's just it's it's offensive and it's weird because for the longest time, as as like in nerd culture, there's so many great female superhero characters and we we always discuss. Me and my friends were like, oh, um, a Batgirl movie should come out. Well, Joss Whedon should direct it. He handles female characters great. And now looking at it, um, like you said, he he in in a time where it, this this obviously Wonder Woman needs to be the lead character. And if you've seen the 2017 Wonder Woman film. I think Patty Jenkins does a great job at making her, you know, the, the forefront of the movie, but also keeping the other characters relevant. But like you said, Joss Whedon doesn't doesn't try to doesn't try to make that leap. He just he I don't want to say play it safe, but he pl- plays it completely completely wrong. Like that's that's not how the character should be at all. And it's 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 awesome that that movie did not come out. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Because I mean, now like when you go back, it kind of seems sounds like his visions of like on-screen feminism are kind of just a reductive masculinized conception of what it means to be a forceful woman and i think to kind of like simplify that it just means that woman's strength is defined by her willingness to commit violence so like uh if you guys remember Zack snyder's uh just 
her, his weird flick sucker punch do you guys remember that like it's all of these girls just dressed in like really short revealing outfits and they're like yeah they're they're kicking ass like woo um but like why like why you have to be sexy to be violent and to be strong like why can't you why can't you be conservative and kick ass he, um, he got a lot of flack, if you remember, in the first Avengers film. I know we're going to talk about Scarlett Johansson a lot because there's a lot to talk about with her. Yep. Um, sh- there, were, there were certain angles. Like, if you watch the first Avengers movie, and I, I tell you to go back and watch how, how he films Black Widow, it's just it's very low angles. It's always on her, her backside. It's, it's very – her outfits he makes sure are very revealing. And so I noticed that even first time viewing. I'm like, this is out of character for I, – I haven't seen her like this before. I wonder w- why this director chose this route. And now growing up and realizing, you know, like, like you said, you, you – he feels like if he wants to have a, a bad A woman character, he has to show them in a certain light, which I, obviously you don't have to do. Right. It's just like, it's like the camera angles that he shows, like the way he constructs his character also shows. Um, for example, um, in a scene of Avengers Age of Ultron, which Whedon did direct, um, it's, it's like now a deleted scene, I do believe. But um, so... Basically, Natasha Romanoff, um, she she has this conversation about um, with with Hulk about um, just who the monster is basically on the team, yada, 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 so on and so forth. And so she basically expresses sadness about how she was sterilized when she was training to be a master assassin in the Red Room. And um, here's a timestamp. I'll let you guys listen to it real quick. Where can I go? Where in the world am I not a threat? You're not a threat to me. Are you sure? Even if I didn't just... There's no future with me. I can't ever... I can't have this. Kids. Do the math. I physically can't. Neither can I. In the Red Room, where I was trained, where I was raised, um, they have a graduation ceremony. They sterilize you. It's efficient. One less thing to worry about. The one thing that might matter more than a mission makes everything easier even killing you still think you're the only monster on the team okay hi um so yeah quite 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 out oh, of character yeah i know um cuz Natasha Romanoff, like, she's never really expressed any desire to have kids or to start a family. Like, nowhere in any of the previous movies um, or just even in her comic book character, like, does she even want to start a family? So why is she bringing up this now? I think it was – I read it in – I think it was the Voig article. It was like – 
Black Widow is a is a character that plays four different characters in four different films. It's it's like the 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 only thing that holds it together. Scarlett Johansson's great performance, they said, and I, I feel bad for a character. And this is a little off topic, but I'm so excited that she's finally getting her own film. It's gonna be great. Um, but yeah, like you said, it, it's like it's like Joss Whedon was like, well, there's only one way I can write a female character, which yeah. is very wrong to have kids. Like, yes, it kind of makes it seem that you, he's putting the emphasis of like her being a woman on being the having the ability to have kids and i'm like okay as a woman your self-worth is not dependent on whether or not i'm able to have kids or not and it's like just like just because i have babies or i'm able to have kids doesn't mean doesn't equate how well i can kick ass you know yes and i think that's exactly what he was trying to do here and i'm like dude that's just no, because Romanoff, like Black Widow, is so mu- so much multifaceted than she is just to like have reproductive. I mean, when you're abilities. when you're writing a scene and you're you're comparing, you know, her self worth as a character to her inability to have kids. I yes, I now now I told I didn't see that before, but you talking about it, I see the writings on the wall. It's it's um it's not how you should write a female character because it's not like a, a male character talks about anything like that at all. He he's just kick, he's kick a without any any questions. Right. No one like no one asks him. And I mean, um, if we're talking about that, like I got reminded of a clip that I saw, like an interview with um, Scarlett Johansson and uh, Jeremy Renner who plays Hawkeye. And this interviewer asks uh, Scarlett Johansson whether or not she's wearing underwear or undergarments under her suit. And she gets pissed off. She's like, dude, you're like the sixth person that's asked me this today. Like, what is going on? And she she points out how interviews interviewers ask uh, male actors about like their like their workout reg- regimen or like stuff about the movie, like how they um, played the character, how they tried to bring out the emotion, like all of these like deep questions. And then you see these female actresses get asked questions like, oh, do you wear underwear under your suit? Or like, do you like what's your workout regimen? Like, who cares? Who cares if Black Widow's wearing underwear or not? Like, I don't care. All I want to see is her kicking butt and being a total badass and just being who she is like i don't care what she's wearing why does that matter so can i can i ask you a question about like like what like what female characters in movies like you you do enjoy yeah because like okay so like certain characters like katniss everdeen i saw you wrote we were talking about earlier like how how do you how do you feel on like a a badass woman like that is that yeah so one thing i really like katniss everdeen because um one thing with the hunger games and we're talking about the books specifically not the movies movies were great but i think the movies were too romanticized and focused too much on the love triangle rather than like everything else that was going on but like i don't know with katniss everdeen uh you kind of saw this like strong yet traumatized woman um and she could portray her emotions and still be strong right and i think something that happens with a lot of female characters or the writing of female characters is that you kind of have to just be flat like you you either have no emotions or you're just all over emotional and when you're like when you kind of think like strong female characters it's like yeah no emotions like she's just stone cold she's just suppressed everything because emotions are only going to get in people's way 
right? Which is totally not the case. Like, if you want to be human, you have to show emotion, right? And I feel like what a lot of people do and what a lot of people think is that emotion equates to weakness, And I don't think that's necessarily the case. And I can say from personal experience that this has definitely affected me. Like, I've kind of, by watching these movies and by watching these strong female characters, I've kind of started equating um, to myself that, like, showing emotions or feeling emotions or experiencing emotions equals weakness. So now... I tend not to cry. Like, I tend not to cry in front of uh, other people because I find that weak. I tend not to really show my emotions because, again, the media has showed me that, like, a strong woman does not show emotions. Or that if I do show emotions, if I become angry or if I uh, cry or if I just show any emotions, people will be like, oh, you're PMSing. Oh, you're just an emotional woman. Yada, 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 so on and so forth. But... That's not the case. You can be an emotional woman. You can show your emotions and you can still be strong and you can still kick ass while showing emotions. Would you say that like, um, for example, like female directors are better at directing strong female characters? Oh, definitely. I think that's why I'm so thankful that Patty Jenkins directed Wonder Woman as opposed to uh, Joss Whedon because like, because one other thing about Josh, um, Joss Whedon's, <laughs> I did it again, um, about Whedon's Wonder Woman movie is that he actually made the relationship with Diana and her mother uh, bad. And whereas in uh, Patty Jenkins' version, like, the relationship is positive. Like, in Patty Jenkins' version, like, the mother sends Diana off. Like, just be like, hey, be safe, whatever. And I like that. I like that female camaraderie that you get. Like, yeah, it's not, like, mad or angry. Like, it's just that, like, female solidarity. Whereas I don't think Whedon would have done that. I think, like, Jenkins did that because she kind of understands the need for, like, that female camaraderie and just... um, Um, like that sisterhood feeling, you know? Um, I don't, like, not to exclude any men, but it's like there are some things um, about, like, womanhood that, like, only women can understand. Same how I will not understand everything about what there is to be a man. Like, like, just the whole, like, bro relationship. Like, I'm never going to understand that because I've never really had that. So that being said, that's just my take on it, honestly. No, I totally agree. I, I I love what they're doing nowadays. You can you can see more examples like with Ryan Coogler and how he directed Black Panther. I think you know Marvel with with picking the uh, director. You know he he had worked um, and his his filmography. It's great. You should check out most of his movies. Stuff like Creed. It's great. But um, I I think you know like you said, it, it's people that that can relate and it's people that can can have actual connections instead of these fake connections like Joss Whedon was trying to make. I, I wanted to talk about one of my favorite female characters of all time. A, a really good early example when when I was growing up was one of my first exposures was Carrie Fisher's Princess Leia. I'm I'm a big Star Wars buff, and I think you know this is a. I always saw her as like she she would you know Han Solo Harrison Ford. You would snap something, and she would just snap right back. She was a take no crap type of attitude. I thought that was really cool. Um, but then you know if you look at the character, it's super interesting because. A very controversial part of the character was that they stripped all that away quite literally when they did the very infamous uh, Slave Leia scene in the sixth one. And people go, oh, so you had to make the character interesting by putting her in a gold bikini. 
and that 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 scene has been infamous. If if have you seen the Star Wars films? I have seen the Star Wars okay. films. I um, do a lot that. a lot of flack come um, like men and women tell tell that you know you had a great character here and then you just had to you had to over sexualize her in the the last film. So that's just that's just an example of a great female character and someone that I think will stand the test of time. But at the same time, they 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 almost had something great, but then they kind of ruined it. They just they just have to mess it up. I just I don't understand that. Like I I think the same goes for like Black Widow too. Um, they just went ahead and like for me like putting her in that tight suit and going back to like the camera angles that Whedon used and stuff like that. I feel like people were just t- far too focused on Black Widow's like body and her appearance and not necessarily her character arc which I think was really interesting like throughout um, throughout the film like yeah I don't think it was necessarily touched based on that much but like people people tend to neglect that and they just kind of go on to just yeah like be like oh like uh, Black Widow like her body like yada 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 so on and so forth like I know that's not like the greatest example but um I don't know. There's just been like a lot of instances where, um, like, there have been like great female characters. Like for me, I've said this before. Um, Katara from Avatar: The Last Airbender uh, is my perfect female character that I empathize with. Um, if you go back and you listen to the Tropes episode, I talk about that a lot because uh, for me, she's like she's this really well written like character that shows that you can be emotional but you can also be strong right like for those of you who haven't watched avatar like katara is this motherly figure and she's kind of driven by her emotions like her power comes from emotions which is something you don't really see in media because it's like yeah you have like this emotional woman but her emotions impede her from doing something great Right. And I, I don't think that's necessarily the chance uh, or that's not the case, because, well, if you've seen like any other movies like, um, I don't know, like people like men are like overwhelmed by like emotions and they do like these great uh, feats of strength or like it's in like the climax of the movie. Like you're over like these heroes are like overcome with emotions and they're like, rah, and then they go and they like just do something crazy or they like rush out onto the battlefield and do something crazy and i'm like okay well why is that the same for women like what's what's stopping them like you think when women are overcome with emotions we just like sit down and we're like oh no and we start crying yeah it's normally looked at as a bad thing when women in film and stuff act out of emotion you're right i didn't i didn't think about that and i mean you know it's interesting to think that uh um like a I'm going to use air quotes here. You can't tell. Though, uh, a show for children like Avatar, I'm, I, I, I think it's a great show, but um, that they're, they're able to get it right. And it's, it's great, I think, because it exposes people at such a young age. I mean, I think we both grew up with that show, but now, of course, watching it again on Netflix, I now um, can, can appreciate those, those character tropes of uh, Katara so much more now. Yeah. I mean, if we're sticking on to like, the whole Avatar The Last Airbender franchise, um, for those of you who have watched or maybe have not watched, Legend of Korra. Um, obviously, like if you know me, I am like very much into that fandom, and it's it's great. It's like the show that keeps giving. Um, but a lot of people with Korra. So Korra is the um, second installment of the Avatar franchise, and so for those of you who haven't watched the show, Korra is like a very headstrong, uh, brash. Um, 
woman like young woman and obviously like throughout the show she like mellows out and becomes like a very good powerful avatar but uh, I've seen a lot of discourse in the fandom comparing Aang to Korra and saying like oh Aang is much better like he's uh, like he because you know those like memes that are like who would win um, and Aang versus Korra and people would be like yeah like Aang would just beat Korra like an instant yada 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 so on and so forth and I'm like and you've seen like you see Korra getting like a lot of hate from the fandom just people not liking her and I will admit like I did find Korra annoying for a bit because it's like yo just but why do you think that is so um i i fell off a little bit with uh legend of Korra. i i watched i watched i'm gonna say probably the first season um i think it's unfair to compare the two characters you know they're very different um i would say ang's more childish and Mm -hmm. i would say like Korra is i i don't think this is going to turn into us debating who would actually win in a fight (laughs) but no no um I do think, you know, I, I, I think Cora is more mature and I like that about her. I, I know you say at the start of the show and she was, she was a bit brash. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I think it's it's unfair to, for fans. I mean, it's probably just them having a, a closer connection to the show. Maybe they're just saying one show's better than the other instead of, um, but yeah, I, I, I think they're two completely different characters and I like them for that, uh, even though them both being avatars. Uh, but I've I've gravitated towards Aang more just because I, I grew you know that show was closer to yeah. me, and but I I love the character of Korra almost just as much. I totally agree. I I mean obviously I love both characters, um, and I think I saw something on the internet surrounding that debate and people saying that like yeah people don't like Korra because uh, the traits that she has is more realistic and a lot of us see ourselves in Korra and we don't want to be like that because um, Aang is more of like a pacifist like he's kind of already like as a young child like he's already at a higher level of consciousness and he's more um, spiritually aware than most of us are like even as adults like this man was a pacifist he was raised in like Tibetan Buddhism like air nomad philosophy uh, since he was a kid so he kind of already had like a higher level of like morality and all of these values than like other characters did and people were like yeah I want to like be Aang but they weren't right like a lot of people are Korra but they want to be Aang does that make sense like yeah and you know it's um it's it's how it's how you start a character off and mm-hmm. I agree with you on that you know that's they, they started they started one off with with almost all the answers to everything in life. Aang was kind of this, you know, he, he knew how to do everything before the show even started. I mean, he didn't know all four elements exactly, but he was he was wiser than every single character on the show before right. that. And some someone like Corey, you know, I, like you said, um, that that is more like us. We we don't want to admit it, but we are more of a Korra. Exactly, yeah. Um, but going from Avatar back to... J- Whedon, I know quite the jump, but we gotta we gotta kind of come back to basics, you know. Um, I don't know, like, do you like Buffy is was such a great show? Yes. For um, again, like female empowerment, just like Avatar: The Last Airbender was. But um, do you think there was something wrong with the way he presented these characters after, like, looking back after all this controversy surrounding him? Um, if you there's there's a few episodes where people like to look back on. There was there was one scene where um, 
Buffy is fighting one of the main villains slash love interest. His name's Spike. Um, I forget the, the the actor's name who portrays is escaping me now. But um, the the scene it's it's a cool fight scene. It's like a cold open for the it's uh it's but it ends with Buffy giving up fighting him and they end up having a love scene because she can't beat him in a fight. And so people look at that like especially now with looking how Joss Whedon is, they're like, well, why, why, why did he do that? Why did, you know, the only way, you know, to solve a problem, she ended up, you know, romanticizing with the guy instead. So I, I look at that now and I'm like, yeah, that that is terrible. It kind of sounds like he's trying to put in the trope of like women are healers and like women can fix broken men. Right. Through yes. like romance. I, yeah. Um, it's it's interesting because I still look back on the show and I, I appreciate you know I, I don't think we're taking away like what the show did for people growing up it's it's a it's a great but you know that you see you see the cracks now yeah you I mean you definitely do um, are there any other movies where you see instances of his um, problematic so I I watched a little bit of Firefly. And that that got canceled, and that was a bit before my time too. Um, he he handled the female characters, I'd say, a lot better than it was. It's a it's a big Star Wars homage. If you don't know what Firefly is, it's it's a very it's a space opera thing. I think he did a good job in that. The the spinoff show Angel, I didn't watch much of, but I hear similar problems like we were talking about earlier with the cast and how he treated them. If you want to talk about current things. Um, there are two versions of Justice League. This is a bit complicated, I'm going to. Yep. Um, one was directed by Zack Snyder, the original director, but during a family tragedy, he left, and the replacer was Joss Whedon. And while watching it, my friend and I were like, okay, we're going to try to see if we can see some Joss Whedonisms. And you see how Wonder Woman is filmed in other movies, and it, just like Avengers, if you watch the the cut of Justice League that we have now, you can you can see how he's filming Wonder Woman. It's lower angles. It's from the back. It's like, why are you doing this? Interesting. I actually never noticed that. I did watch Justice League, and it was a train wreck. Yes. Let me say so. Um, I'm not really a big DC kind of person, but yo, what is going on? Like, I was reading um I was reading an article right before um this episode about um how uh, studio executives um, with DC, they were saying like how horrible Whedon's like directorial choice and um, cuts were. Because like, for example, if you guys remember that scene with like the Russian family where the fl- where Flash like pushes uh, the truck with the Russian family, the people in the studio were like, why? First of all, why is that scene needed? Joss Whedon has an obsession with trying to like, I don't know how you put it, like like have like an eye on like like person on the ground. Almost, if that makes sense, like mm-hmm. trying to have like, and it's you can so tell that those scenes were like just put in there at other times. It's it's totally unnecessary. It's um, it's I I just read an article before this actually that um the the whole cast and crew were like we thought this movie was terrible, but no one wanted to say anything to Whedon. Exactly, I think um the guy who played uh, Cyborg, his Ray name is Fisher. Ray Fisher. Yeah, he uh accused Whedon of gross and abusive treatment of the cast and crew in July of 2020. And I know, um, based off of, uh, what's her name? I keep forgetting, uh, Charisma Carpenter, um, and her saying how um, Whedon played favorites and pitted people against each other to vie for his approval and made like passive aggressive threats to fire Carpenter. Like based off all these allegations that have come from different actors that Whedon's uh, worked with it it kind of starts to add up 
you know? Part of me wants to know, I mean, I guess at the same time, it's it's very private, but you want to know how, what, what Ray Fisher is talking about when he says these things. I mean, I guess you can, you can interpret it, um, but then... Uh, what happened was Warner Brothers, the company that that makes the movie, they they saw those tweets by Ray Fisher and they said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna um, launch an investigation on Whedon, and the only thing that came of it was Ray Fisher was cut from the following DC films. Lovely, that's that's the correct answer. Yeah, so obviously they, I don't know if Whedon said something to them or if they just you know don't want to deal with it but that is obviously the exact opposite of what should have been done yeah i just um i don't know man like people like people say like warner brothers executive basically said that um his version of justice league cut was quote stupefying and a piece of um steaming um (laughs) dog poop for uh, lack of a better word because we don't want to curse on the show Um, but yeah I think those are some pretty choice words to show how bad Justice League was just I don't I when when I heard he was coming over to take over the film I was very excited because I was like I you know obviously he's made Avengers films and superhero team to one superhero team I thought this is going to be great and for anyone that's seen the film it is a piece of dog poop it really is. That's that is the good way to describe it. Um, we are getting this is off topic, but we are getting a new version of the film in a month. Yep, the Snyder cut. Yeah, yeah. which got which came of birth just out of fan demand for a better film than what we got. Right. I think um, in an interview with Zack Snyder, he said that he still hadn't watched um, the Snyder or the. We didn't cut. We didn't cut. If that's now what it's called, um, because I think someone close to him um, told him. It was him, his wife. Yeah, well, yeah, it was his wife that told him, like, yeah, no, don't watch it. Like, you'll be. It would break his heart. They said if he. Yeah. Yeah. Who? Uh, yeah. Just, just hearing that kind of sounds depressing man i mean he hasn't you know we haven't seen much of joss whedon since this whole thing in hollywood um especially after the uh the uh, the speaking out and mm-hmm. so i you know i think it's for the best that he uh puts all projects on hold and t- probably rethinks his career options man i don't like i don't think he has any more projects after this yeah i would agree with you why do you think it's taken so long for people to come out and talk against Joss? Well, so, I mean, in general, if you want to go, I think like we were talking about at the beginning, it's it's into, up until recently, you know, uh, I've, I've, women have just felt like, why well, I, I you know, my place, I have to, I have to be quiet, I can't speak up, and, to, and it's great that just recently they, they now feel that they can, and for someone like Joss Whedon, um, he was always he's always been the, the shining example of how you betray a woman in Hollywood. This is this is how you do it. And so no one wanted to admit that like the the male feminist was doing it all wrong the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why it's taken so long. And I, I'm I think obviously with his divorce with his um, his his longtime wife, there's no one closer to him that can that can speak on how he treats women. And now everyone it's it's great that everyone is speaking up and i think that's why it's taken so long i'm sure there's other stories that we'll never hear but yeah probably i mean um it's just 
I don't know. Like, I think there's there's a quote from a Vox article that I saw, and I it really resonated with me. So, like, to quote, they basically said, um, Whedon's feminist storytelling is uh, placed within the idea of inst- institutionalized patriarchal sexism that ultimately must be destroyed if women will get everything that they deserve. And because he's an action of a student of action cinema, he represents those forces literally so his heroes can physically kick those institutions in the face. Do you agree with this? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I think that quote sums pretty, it up pretty well. Yeah, because I mean, like, first of all, like all like all of his films uh, or all of his notable films are just about um, kicking ass, like, and just characters being violent. And I think going back to what we talked about earlier, like, you, like, as a woman, like in his film or like in his world, you only if you're sexy. Can you kick ass? Yeah, no, I would. I mean, if you if you look at all of his examples, there's never been like just a normal looking woman that has been able to um, do the same feats as someone like a Buffy or a Black Widow. And I think you know we we see guys of all shapes and sizes and uh, have been able to do that. And now it's it's you know we've yet to see it on the other side. Yeah, I mean, like it. Do you know how uncomfortable it is to be sexy? And then, like, you see these women, um, like, fighting in tight leather pants. Okay. Okay. How do you kick that high in leather pants? Like, whenever... In heels, it's unrealistic. <laughs> exactly. Like, whenever I'm watching uh, Avengers, for example, and, like, Black Widow is in that, like, tight latex suit. And kicking she's, like, above her head. Yeah, kicking <laughs> above her head, like, kicking in, like, men's heads. I'm like, first of all, how are you walking? Yes. Like... I- I don't know, like, if anyone's been in, like, latex, um, like, pants. I was a dancer. Yeah, <laughs> you would know. Like, latex pants and, like, latex shirts and everything. You can't move. Because that is, like, to your skin and, like, you can't move. And she's, like, rolling around and she's, like, pulling kicks. I'm like, girl, put on some leggings at least. She's doing the the wrap the legs around the head, head scissor thing, yeah. which is a bit inappropriate. Yeah, okay, that... <laughs> You reminded me of something. Why is that a thing? Um, because it's sexy and violent. Yes. <laughs> I <laughs> I hate that. Like, I think there's a scene in, was it Winter Soldier? Yeah. Um, where she, she does She wraps her legs around. Some... Bucky's head. Yeah. Uh, I don't think someone would actually do that in a fight. <laughs> I don't think they would. Like, honestly, no. First of all, how do you, like, how do you even get up there? Like, she just crawled up him like a spider monkey. Yep. And then, and then she, I think she like references that later in the movie when she's actually, she's like, yeah, I did have my legs wrapped around your neck. And I was like, uh, that's just, uh, it's like, that's very weird. That's very awkward. It's, it's a character that's been around for the past 10 years, if you think about it. And, um, you know, when she was first introduced, it was, it was really one of the first, like, female superheroes we had seen and it was really great to see that but over time you know she gets handed off to different filmmakers and stuff they they all handle her in different ways and I mean um I I can speak from the character from the comic she's I think portrayed best in the comics over the movies because people I just feel like the comic book writers know how to handle the character yeah because they wrote the character yes I feel like when characters come from 
the comic book to the big screen, they tend to get remade, so they're kind of marketable. They want to advertise, yeah. Exactly. There's a very certain demographic that they're trying to appeal to. Right, and I hate what they do to, like, and I mean, it, it, it doesn't just apply for women. I think it applies for men as well. You know, these male characters, they get, like, super buff and... Um, I mean, any high school character in a Netflix um, oh, film God. has a six-pack and they're very attractive and they're chiseled or they're, you know, the cheerleader and they're beautiful. and Yeah, they look like 20s. And I'm like, who in high school had clear skin and had, like, a six-pack? Like, maybe one person, maybe. But, like... Who? Yeah, you there know, was no one in my high school like that. You grow up watching those things, and like you said, it gives you it gives you a a, a bad body image on yourself, and that's it does. it's not good. It really does, and I think um, I think Whedon, as much of a pioneer for uh, feminism, and I say that with a lot of air quotes, he. I think he's just done a lot more damage than he has good because movies have. A powerful impact on people like we grow up watching movies we find our role models through movies um, and we kind of like model ourselves after people we see on screen and like obviously we've talked about representation in previous episodes of the coven and how that matters and stuff but I think it also kind of teaches us good life role like I love examples. I love go, this is a bit of a tangent but I love going to my comic book conventions and stuff and seeing a you know like someone dressed up as um, a Wonder Woman or you know just a uh, or a Star Wars convention seeing someone as Princess Leia and I'm like that's your role model you love that character and I think it's a you know it's awesome to see that everyone has someone they can look up to it's great. Yeah, and I completely agree. Um, for me, obviously, I don't really have that many female role models in TV because, you know, there aren't really a lot of female Indian characters or female Indian superhero characters, for that matter. And it's kind of, it's fine because I never really got that, but it's also very important for representation. But I don't know, like, coming back to something I said earlier in the episode um, with these like one-dimensional characters that you get from a lot of male directors such as Whedon himself with like being sexy and also being violent like you can't really show your emotions I think like that like the writing of characters is a lot more impactful than just the skin tone and sexuality and all of those the best characters are the ones that have the the most layers of emotion I think yeah it's it's not it's not cool to hide what you feel It's not. And like with all this awareness of mental health and a lot of people talking about how important it is to talk about your feelings and so on and so forth. I think it's ironic that we're still kind of behind on the times about like not being able to show your emotion and stuff like that. Like if that's if that's the case, if that's something that's being talked in real life, I think that should also be implemented in TV shows. I mean, it would make sense, you right. know? I, I can't think of any example of a, a character in fiction that, you know, you, you, you can just think of that has, a, that has some type of emotional mental disorder. I think that'd be really, really great to introduce a superhero maybe, you know, suffering from bipolar. I don't know, just, just anything that someone that does suffer from that can, can look up to that and see that you can overcome it and stuff. Right, like you can be a superhero and like kick names take ass to quote um mantis yeah mantis <laughs> um but just 
I don't know, man. Like, I think I think for one, like Katniss Everdeen is a good example of someone who deals with PTSD and yes. is also a strong female character. But again, when we look at the movies, it's not really like that's not really a big frontal focus. One of the worst made fun of female characters of all time is uh, B- Bella Swan from the Twilight films because she notoriously does not show any emotion and she is just a brick wall of a human being. Right. Oh my God. Oh God. Not the Twilight fa- franchise. Which There's... I'm actually a fan of those films, but the characters are bad. It's just okay. I got. Mm. The books were bad and the movies were bad. I'm sorry. No, that's... the writing. You're right. It's just I, I, I look at them. Like the the one way I can describe them that might sound a bit cringy is I think they're pretty. Yeah, they're, they're beautiful movies. I think I don't know just to look at. They're just... just pretty from like the outside, but if you actually like, it's it's nice to just shut your brain off and watch Twilight because I've definitely done that. Right. But I think when you pay attention, it's kind of cringy in my opinion like there are certain movies in my life that i will watch just to make myself feel better as a writer one of them is tall girl i don't i don't know i watched tall girl yes you've okay good i stopped it i couldn't finish it (laughs) good good um i yeah we did a we did a episode on input two i think last year or so um when it came out and let me tell you it was just screaming i've seen so many video essays on youtube about how that character is written terribly it's really bad and i could go on and on and on and on about how badly written and one-dimensional uh that character is but we won't talk about that because we know just from the name, tall girl. She's mm-hmm. a girl who's tall, who's got problems, and she's got issues for being tall. Yay. Ooh. Um, but, you know, um, one-dimensional characters are kind of harmful. So any any last thoughts on this whole controversy? Um, we've come a long way from, uh, I would like to say, uh, characters like a Megan Fox in um, in movies, we have, oh, God. like you said, um, y- y- you're looking for that representation. I will say that there is a TV show that's coming to Disney Plus. I want to say in the next two years, it's uh, it's a super. Actually, I think it's next year. It's a superhero TV show about a Miss um, Marvel who's a um, a Hindu teenager woman superhero <gasps> growing up in New Jersey. That. Yeah, so yeah. It's, she's a really cool character. So keep your eye out for that. I think it's going to be really cool. I did hear about that. I haven't heard too much about it. I just heard kind of like it was like a blip on the radar. But very kind of, unknown actress getting cast, but it's really? you know yeah it's it's a teenager growing up through high school. I always like those types of stories, but like you said, it's a it's a Hindu teenager, so it's gonna I think it's gonna be a really cool peek into that world. Interesting, interesting. Okay, like I I'm looking forward to that. So obviously, uh, Joss Whedon is problematic, and he wants a, the, the Trojan horse of feminism. Yup. Yeah. The moment we think we get an ally uh, who creates strong, powerful female characters uh, who advances feminism, turns out he's a piece of dog poop. Yeah. I would, so, that's a good way. Yep. Yep. So, again, that's all for this episode of The Coven. Uh, joining me today was Harrison Hopkins. And I'm your host, Shweta Sundarajan. Thank you for tuning in and tune in next week for another episode of The Coven.